Thank you. Thank you very much and welcome. I'm Father Mitch Pacwa. Welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from all around the world. Tonight, we'll talk about a new old idea for Catholic education. It's one that can restore to the American culture the conviction that human beings can grasp the truth of things. And in grasping that truth, they can know their duties to God, to themselves, and to their neighbors. Before we get into that conversation, we want to talk briefly with EWTN's Jack Williams about some exciting events going on. Jack, what you got for us? Well, the time is almost near. Next week, we will be in Phoenix, Arizona. I'll be in Phoenix. You'll be in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Several of our EWTN family members will be in Phoenix for our EWTN family celebration, which will be Saturday, October 1st mm -hmm. at the Phoenix Convention Center. But leading up to that, uh, the first couple days will be the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Conference. So we will have all of our affiliates and not just our affiliates, but people who are interested in perhaps bringing Catholic radio to their area, an AM or FM station to their area, can join us as well. And it's not too late to register. You can go to EWTNCRC.com and find out all the details. But we're going to have a beautiful time. We're going to start on Thursday with a day-long retreat with the Desert Nuns out in Tonopah, the poor Clares that have established a beautiful monastery there. Yeah. We're going to spend the day with them. Uh, we'll have uh, a lovely time with that. Friday, we'll be broadcasting all of our live radio shows live from the Phoenix Convention Center. Mm -hmm. We will have professional development and inspirational talks. you got to be inspirational. Your talk is on Friday, and it's got to be inspirational. Okay. All right, just so you know. <laughs> and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be doing that with the group on Friday, and then we'll have our annual awards banquet uh, on Friday night. And our keynote speaker this year is your confrere. Father Robert Spitzer yes. will be giving the keynote address on Friday morning for the group. And like I said, it's not too late. You can still uh, become part of the festivities. Uh, simply go to EWTNCRC.com, find out uh, all the details, join us for the radio conference, which will culminate with the family celebration on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll be there, Johnette will be there, uh, Doug Keck will be there, Michael Warsaw, uh, all sorts of EWTN personalities. Marcus Grodi will be there. So I would and encourage Father everybody. And Father will still be there. He will still be there, even for the family celebration. Yep. That's exactly right. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks, Father Mitch. Appreciate that. We'll hopefully we'll see you all over there. But we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with tonight's guest, so please stay with us. with a quote from Pope St. John Paul II. He said, The greatest contribution that authentically 
Catholic education can make to American culture is to restore to that culture the conviction that human beings can grasp the truth of things. Now, that was much needed to be heard when he, when he said it to the Americans. But now we can see, by just looking at the news, that truth is being attacked today in our schools, as well as in the media and elsewhere. And for more than 20 years, we have a guest tonight who has been drawing on the tradition of the church to help free teachers and students for a joyful pursuit of faith, wisdom, and virtue. Please take a look at this short little clip. Catholic liberal education is not something other. It's really the fullest form of how the church understands human formation. The formation that someone receives in the first few decades of their life, it, it determines their whole life after that. The whole trajectory of our civilization, where it's headed, whether it's in a good direction or a bad direction, is based on how they're educated. Catholic liberal education is a freeing education. We look back at the Catholic intellectual tradition we look back at the whole formation of the tradition of education of children. It's all about liberty. It's all about heaven. And so we get to educate them for that. And what a great gift for us as Catholic educators. The Catholic classical approach derives right from the heart of the church's tradition. You know, it's the church that founded the university system. It's the Catholic church that started uh, the formal education process. The purpose is to pursue the truth and to come to know the great world that God has created, to come to know human beings better so that we can serve human beings better and bring them to flourishing in Christ. Christ is the Logos in whom all things cohere. And that's what Catholic education should be. It's faith-seeking understanding. It's an entirely different approach, philosophy, and you know we have different beliefs, we have different goals. So therefore, of course, our approach should be different. Our content should be different. Not just what we teach, but the way we teach because we see a higher purpose and a deeper meaning in all of these things. All right, so here to tell us more about what they're trying to do to develop a higher level of thinking skills in students in order to teach the children how to think on their own, please welcome the founder and president of the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education, Mr. Michael Van Hecke. Michael, you, welcome. Great, great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to be here with you. First of all, you started this, this institute for Catholic liberal education. Um, uh, let's ask this question. Yeah. What do you mean by liberal education? Because, you know, some, a lot of people get triggered by vocabulary. Well, they do. <laughs> Pro and con. <laughs> Uh, and so what do you mean by liberal education? Well, it's funny, that's a term that, that comes up over and over again in, in our own discussions, and when people hear it, they, they bristle, and they wonder what's going on, um, or they're attracted by it. Yes. And right. the, the nice thing is it, it allows us to bring up that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, we can lead them very quickly to the root of that word liberal, meaning or from the Latin liber, meaning freedom. And so this is the education that 
that a free man would choose. It's an education that makes a man free. Because as we develop in wisdom and virtue and thought, ability to have reason, uh, to use it in logic, then we can cut through a lot of those other things, especially in the modern age. It's very important to be able to not be a slave to, say, marketing, right? Yeah. And, and so this, this education is, is, is just is prime for that. Yeah, it's when people know how to use reason and when they use their reason to get a lot of information that they can then know their options. Right. Mm -hmm. And freely choose options. Right. And one of the th problems I sense in, in our society is that when cancel culture comes in, you can't say that, you can't know that, you can't talk about that. This is a topic that we can't even bring up. They are trying to remove your ability to think through choices. That's been happening for a long time. Yes. <laughs> Uh, maybe you were sort of towards the tail end of it. I was uh, probably just a little past the tail end of it, but most schooling has been focused on read this, memorize it, test, pass, and do it again. And mm -hmm. this has been happening now for generations. So mm -hmm. if, if we're conditioned to do that, if our mind is conditioned to simply pick up the textbook or the list, read it, remember it, test, and we forget it because all we were doing was putting all of our energy into to memorizing it for the test, uh, we're going to walk away with a, a fair amount of stuff in our head, but we're never, we wouldn't have been given the opportunity to think about it or to hold it up against mm -hmm. something like timeless values or a philosophical principle or anything like that. What it does do, and this, you know, it goes back a hundred years, the, the, the seeds of this or more, uh, what it does do is it makes us, well, after you graduate, you pick up the newspaper, you read the article, you vote, right? So it makes us in a way slaves to whatever that, that news media is going to tell us. And that's not a free man. That's not mm -hmm. being able to really think. So it's, it, the whole style of education has, has been working against that for quite a long time. Yeah, and again, that, that word liberal comes from the uh, word libera, to be free, mm -hmm. and this is the goal of it. So we got that. Now, the institute. You started this institute. What are you trying to do with the institute? Well, uh, our, our aim is to spread this message of our roots. So looking forward from this vantage point of tradition, uh, Augustine, I ran St. Augustine Academy for many years. We saw them in that clip. Uh, Augustine has one of my, my favorite little passages, and it's just ever ancient, ever new. Mm -hmm. and, and we've forgotten that. We've forgotten our history. We've forgotten that, that what we enjoy today comes from somewhere. It comes from something. And you, you can't just cut that off. But that's what we've done. So we're living in this almost two-dimensional world, and we need to go back 
and see where did we come from? What was this education that built the civilization that we enjoy today? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, the, uh, that, that's the beauty and we've been cut off from that beauty. So the Institute is there to inspire teachers, to uh, remind and reteach Catholic schools, dioceses, teachers themselves, mm -hmm. what their heritage is and the incredible rich tradition and beauty of education as the Catholic Church has, well, done it for <laughs> you know, millennia, but, but also have, they've written about it and they've written the most beautiful and the most convincing things about how we're supposed to run our schools. But we're caught in the stream and so we're not seeing that, we're not reaching back mm -hmm. and, and understanding what the church's vision for education is. So the Institute is devoted to helping restore one, that. One of the things I've heard from my audiences over the decades I've been working here is I sent my kids to Catholic school and high school and even college sometimes mm -hmm. and they don't even want to go to church anymore. They won't even get their children baptized. Right. And what, I wasted my money. I, there's, there's a fair amount of frustration and anger over what's happened. And you have this book called Renewing Catholic Schools. Um, and you talk pretty straightforwardly, uh, not only you, because this is a collection of articles, but you're very straightforward over the, the problems that have developed. How do you see that? Give folks an overview of these problems. Well, I think the subtitle says something about that. Uh, it says how to regain a Catholic vision mm -hmm. in a secular age. Mm -hmm. We are in a secular age. And, and yes. as we look back and I referenced previously, you and I were raised in schools that already had adopted the secular age. This, this goes back to the late, 18th, or late 19th century, early 20th century, and it's been infiltrating the schools ever since. And it's changed the way teachers are formed, it's changed the way curriculum is formed. So what a school is, is largely an effect of the curriculum and pedagogy that's there. I mean, the church says it has to be so much more, right? Sustained by a gospel witness, but the regular schools don't do that. But well, the, the uh, Catholic the, schools... Certainly, have, certainly the public schools right. may not. It exactly. is against the law right. as decreed by this Supreme Court in the 1962 decision to forbid prayer and reading of scripture and in 1982 to forbid even a display of the Ten Commandments. Yes. You know, so that it's not allowed by Supreme Court decree. Right, but even in our Catholic schools, we've followed along in that same path. Mm -hmm. So there was somewhere along the line, we had a little crisis of conscience. And I think, again, this goes back to the 19th century and the, uh, the, the problem of Americanism, right? Where we're too drawn to being part of the world instead of Christ's children first. Mm -hmm. We have to live in the world, but not of the world. And there's confusion about that. And so we keep trying to stack ourselves up to that secular model. And we've adopted it. 
and we've adopted it almost wholesale. So we've grown up in it. Our teacher training programs are that. State standards have all been adopted, or many places have adopted state standards. They've adopted state curriculum since the mid-1960s. And it's no wonder then that we are falling into this, this, this wrong mindset, this wrong philosophy. Mm -hmm. So our education should be based on a Christian anthropology. We know who man is, we know he created him, and we know his end. And if that is your guide for everything you're doing, you're going to be headed in the right direction. If your guide is the public secular school system, mechanistic, um, atheistic in some, in many places, uh, it's gonna be headed, heading us in the wrong direction. Yep. And so through no fault of their own, you have Catholic schools all over filled with fantastic teachers, but everything is working against them in so many ways, right? And that's what we, we need to undo. And would you, I mean, this is a hunch by, that I have. Would you sense that the absence of the sisters in the early years of school may have been part of losing that Catholic sense? Because every order had its own way of teaching. You were sisters trained yes. in a way of teaching that belonged to their particular order. Mm -hmm. And when they were gone, something uh, untangible left with them. Yeah, and that's when we made the move to professionalize the teachers, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the biggest thing that I think happened with that move. We, we took the the formed teacher out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. So you think of the sisters and the brothers, the scholastics, the priests, they all got removed from the classroom over, I mean, many of them over the course of 10 or 20 years. And they were just wholesale replaced with a, a laity that was not formed like you religious are formed. And so what, what bubbled up were some unfortunate consequences. And what we need to do is we need to, in, in that spirit of Vatican II, the right spirit, uh, we, need to, we, we need to take the laity and give them that formation. We as laity need to form ourselves deeply in, in a sense of spirituality, in prayer, in this, this focus of the logos. It, if, if what we're do you not, mean by logos? Okay, <laughs> logos, the Greek word meaning word. Right, mm -hmm. and, and if you go back, far, far back, 2,500 years, and, and you, you look at what the Greeks were aiming for, they were trying to find you know, that, that one, that single, that, that logos. Well, we have the logos. The incarnation happened, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ is clearly, in everything we do, he's our focus. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's indisputable, or it should be amongst us Catholics. Mm -hmm. and. That's what we need to subject everything that we're doing in Catholic education mm -hmm. to. And, you know, in addition to this change in attitude toward education that permeates the, the schools, mm -hmm. in the last three years, we have an added problem with the COVID shutdowns of schools. 
And, uh, and, and very sadly, the, many of the public schools stayed closed even longer than the Catholic schools mm -hmm. did. Uh, I was teaching uh, in a Catholic high school during the COVID uh, period. The students were in class. You know, they, uh, most of them. A few were not there, but right. I'd say 92%, 93% were in class. So um, now we see that since 2020, there's been a decline in reading skills and math skills. Now, these are measurable. Yes. You can measure that. They, children don't know words. And this is this decline in math is the largest since 1990. Um, in fact, it's, it's the, the first decline in math skills that's been ever reported. So there are a lot of problems that are going on at this point. Yes, well, there, there have been decades of educational experiments that we've watched come and go, different yes. fads come and go. Yes. And, and for some reason, they never seem to solve the problem, right? The, the, the scores just go seemingly lower and lower. Uh, they well, adjust just, the test so they go back up a little and they just come down. And, and, uh, and COVID, I just want to confirm that the SAT exams have been, you know, the standard has been lowered ever since, what, the late 70s, early 80s? Yes. They started to lower it and they keep, every five years or so, they make it easier. They recenter it, yes. Recenter it. It's making it easier. <laughs> And, and because not enough kids can pass. Well, maybe they shouldn't pass. Maybe they shouldn't go to college right. if they can't pass the test. Mm -hmm. But that would be an economic crisis for the colleges, no, wouldn't it? <laughs> that might be. Yes. And when you're charging $65,000, $70,000, losing one student is a lot of money. Not that I'm putting that on there as their motive. No, don't want to do that. <laughs> don't impute motives. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think COVID really did lay bare some of the, the deep-seated problems in, in educational philosophy. And what you're refer referring to specifically, I think it, it, it shows us, it's a peek behind the curtain about the importance of relationship in education. So Archbishop Miller wrote the most fantastic little summary of the Holy See's teaching on Catholic schools. It's brilliantly called the Holy See's teaching on Catholic schools. <laughs> uh, but but point, uh, point, he actually calls them the marks, the five marks of the Catholic school. And I thought, I asked him a few years ago, I said, I called them benchmarks. And he says, no, 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 no. There are marks. I know we use benchmarks in education all the time, but I consider these marks like marks of the church. They are signs that this is a Catholic school. And, and the third one is communion and community. That, that is part and parcel of what a Catholic school is. Yeah. So that speaks to relationship and the power of relationship in a real education. I went to public school for two years, and I had zero complaints, you know, about that the, the teachers were good. 
Oh, you know, uh, I enjoyed school. It was, it was just fine. But then in third grade, I started Catholic school. And I was a bit behind, which I didn't know. And uh, sisters helped me catch up. Mm -hmm. But also, there was another quality. And I, I don't want to put down the, the, the teachers I had. They were sweet ladies. Yet, there was a kind of love for us coming from the sisters that was very distinctive. And it's not that they were sweet, warm, and mushy. I mean, <laughs> right. uh, I always point out there were about 45 to 55 kids in the class and one nun. Yeah. And we kids were totally outnumbered by the nun. So they, they, there was no monkey business. They'll have none of that. No. <laughs> but you could also tell that there was a love for us yes. and a giving of themselves to us that was truly remarkable. I, I think all my vocation to it, and that communion and community was part of that. Yeah, and, and Archbishop Miller's fifth mark, sustained by a gospel witness. Yes. That's what all our teachers yes. need to be. And so when, when we're helping uh, reform a school, if let's say I'm a pastor or, or a principal and it's stale, it's not working, I've, I, you know, the wheels have come off the bus, and, and I'm looking for something new, and I look back to the church and say, what's the wisdom here? I find that these marks should really enliven my school. And if, if, I, if I come to understand these marks and I bring my faculty along, there's going to be this whole new level of interest, excitement, love, and it's all going to be ordered toward this collective business of salvation for us all. Yeah. Sustained by a gospel witness. And I, I'm a, as a teacher, I have to be that gospel witness. Therefore, I have to start knowing things. And, and, and that's what teachers need to do. And it would be very important to note that this communion and this gospel witness is not limited to only nuns being able to do it. Right. The, the, the majority of our teachers now are lay yes. teachers, men and women alike. And they can do it, but they have to see that as a goal, and that's and and also get formed in that. We have a clip that I'd like to show about uh, some of the teachers and parents and the students talking about the effects of Catholic liberal education. So let's take a look at sure. that. This is an engaging adventure for for them. Um, because they're learning in a way that's consistent with their nature and their development, um, much of the frustration and tension that we typically associate with school really isn't present. It really fills the teachers with this sense of wonder. I mean, we're continuously amazed by how much more there is. Whoa, I didn't even know that. And, and then that excitement just overflows to the kids. I would say one of the things that I notice is the moment they hear something new, just in their mind, it triggers like six other references to other things. All these classes from math, science, history, even like language and literature, they're not necessarily separate subjects, but they're all about like the human story and the human experience. Reclaiming the integrity of what a Catholic school ought to be, which is what we are trying to do here, is what will bring back the Catholics who for many years have said, 
it's not worth it. Positive attributes are a love for learning, a love for God, and an enjoyment of the school experience. Mm -hmm. My husband is a you know, cradle Catholic, I'm an adult convert, but until our children started attending school at St. Jerome's, we were not particularly faithful about church attendance, and it's what our kids started bringing home in their curriculum and what they were talking about, what they were learning, that we realized we had this tremendous responsibility to be thoughtful about our faith lives as well as the children that we were raising. And so we certainly didn't expect this to be a transformative experience for us as you know adults who had it all figured out, but what our children learn ended up really teaching us. They teach us in such a clear and organized way, so we get to learn a lot, and they teach us to delve deeper into things and find the true meanings of everything, and they'll let us do work on our own so we can find it by ourselves when we grow up. It, this is you know, it's not what a lot of people expect to hear about Catholic education because they were trained in a time when just memorizing things had become more known. But this is what Catholic education is about, learning how to think. Um, and it, it, we should keep in mind that Catholic education as something that was instituted in a, a systemic way, goes back to Charlemagne and his desire to have his whole empire learn how to read and write, boys and girls alike. Mm -hmm. Remarkable. We don't think about that in the Middle Ages, but that was his goal, and he had a monk helping him to, to do that. So that kind of preparation with teaching math and music and science was from the beginning of Catholic education, and we need to see that whole picture of life again. Yeah, and so far predates any concept of the government being in charge of education. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the church, and, and what she did is, as as the holder of this this great body of knowledge and wisdom through the ages, she looks at it all honestly mm -hmm. and humbly, and says, "Where is the truth?" Right. And so we look back to the so that that ancient Greek liberal arts education, and principally those those core seven liberal arts, which if we become educated in those, then we can study the, the high sciences, right? Like philosophy and theology. Right. So those liberal arts are what we focus on, and why the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education, why we keep holding on to that name because we want to remind people that it's, it's the classical arts and sciences that are the model of, the, of education, of the formation of the human intellect throughout the ages. Yeah. All right, we have to take a little break. Sure. Uh, again, we're talking about the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. You can find out more if you go online to catholicliberaleducation.org, catholicliberaleducation.org. So if you have any questions or comments, stay with us and call in, and we'll be right back with you.
right. The, uh, but just to let you know that uh, we do have a book available for you to take a look at and you know try to understand these issues a, a bit more deeply. It's called Renewing Catholic Schools, How to Regain a Catholic Vision in a Secular Age. It is by the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. It is edited by R. Jared Stout, and it's available at EWTNRC.com, where it is item number 22045. All right, you ready for some questions? Happy. All right, let's start off with the caller. Ann, you're calling from Massachusetts? Am I on the air? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Father, Father Mitch. Yes, ma'am. You know, you're the best thing that ever happened to EWTN. You know that. <laughs> All right. And your guest is absolutely wonderful. Thank My you. advice from an old lady was, is this. No matter how you teach all the new methods, discipline, discipline. The students must respect the teacher. The teacher is the boss. When she conducts the class, she is in command. They have no right to question her, dispute her, and the parents mind their own business and take care of their house. Let the teachers teach. The teachers should go... The, the, the one thing that I, I have comment on, teachers should get dressed accordingly. They should not dress like a teenager. They should dress like a teacher. They should demand respect, and that's what's lacking today. With let, me, let me just say this, too, Anne. I, there's obviously in some schools more problem with discipline than in others, right? Correct. And one of the problems you brought up that I think is true in children's sports and in school, the, you're right that sometimes teach, uh, parents get involved in a situation and jump the gun to find out what was going on. Uh, they assume that they heard the whole story when they didn't always. And, you know, the parents have to back up the discipline by the yes. teachers. Uh, and they also have to leave the coaches alone. Stay out of it. Um, but do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I, I think one thing, uh, Anne, thank you for that call, by the way. Uh, very insightful and old lady wisdom. That's all I could say. <laughs> uh, if we are really, if we have our eyes on reclaiming wisdom and virtue as an end for education rather than prepping them for the next grade or uh, college and career readiness. I, was it C.S. Lewis says, aim for heaven and you get earth thrown in, aim for earth and you don't get either. Yes. Right, so we, we wanna take the kids to the highest ends and the highest goals. So if we're, we're aiming to form them in virtue and wisdom, and we're doing it through a, a sound curriculum, 
right? Good, deep body of material, uh, teach them the grammar of things, the first of the liberal arts, then teach them logic so they could start to take all that body of material and think about it. And then rhetoric, which is the third of the liberal arts, it's, it's the, the bottom half is the trivium. Mm -hmm. And then what they're doing is, is they're developing their mind, they're developing their ability to digest lots of things and lots of profound stories, especially history, uh, th then they're able to put it all into a certain kind of perspective. And the teachers is, are guiding them in that. And if then the school is also imbued with this Catholic worldview throughout its curriculum, that's Archbishop Miller's fourth mark, if, if they're aimed in that way at all times, then we have Christ as our model. We have all of these fantastic saints as our models. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to hold up to young people to show them what virtue is and to, and to lead them into wisdom. If we do that, discipline's going to get a lot better. And, and one of the beautiful things we saw in that clip was we, we saw parents indicating how deeply they've been moved and their homes have been moved by an education which actually means something. It, it's deep and powerful and inspirational. It's aspirational. Mm -hmm. If we can do that, then guess what we've done? We've cracked this code of this, this modern idea that you know, it's home versus school or kid versus teacher or things like this. That, that is not the mind of the church. If you read the church, there's 17 church documents in the last 120 years. And, and they all talk about parent and school. And the church sees this as a very, very essential ministry of the church, Catholic education, has for a long, long time. And, but not apart from the parents, but with the parents. Right. So if we're working there with the parents, we're affecting home, and guess what else gets affected? The parish. So it becomes this mm -hmm. whole beautiful swirl of discipleship building around what? Truth, unity, goodness, beauty. There, there have been lots of studies showing the importance of, A, parents reading to their children at early ages, and then as they get older, reading with them. Yeah. You know, that's very important. Also, very high importance in parents helping with homework. And some of the studies have shown that if dad helps with the homework, it has a huge impact on what the students grasp. Not that mom tells something that's different. Yep. That's not, that's, it's about the relationship with their father. And, uh, and it's for boys and girls alike that their father helping out with the homework mm -hmm. makes a huge impact on the way kids yeah. improve in school. And this is something that has to go on. It's kind of funny as, as we're talking and all these examples come up, I can't help but think this is just so commonsensical. Why, why, don't, why doesn't it happen more? Why don't we all do it? Um, well, we, we've, we've lost our way. We've yeah. had this sort of eclipse of reason, and that's what we're trying to fight our way back from. 
And I don't think it's an accident that then you have in some of the schools teachers being willing to help guide students in, excuse me, in, in the, what a sneeze, <laughs> the, uh, guide students in their sexual identity and growth and that they are willing to not tell the parents. Some places they're looking for a right for the kids to talk to the students and not inform parents about taking very drastic yeah. medical steps, uh, you know, in, in terms of their uh, growth and adolescence and such. Um, and so th this is skewed. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's super sad, but that's why I'm glad that myself and my colleagues, we're all involved in, in the joyful side of education. Right. We, we have a light to follow. Exactly. And, and that gives, you see it in the kids in the video. They're, they have a purpose. They have a desire. They've been inspired. And so they're climbing up to things that are higher. This is, this is one of the reasons we decided to do the Catholic textbook project is we wanted to, uh, do you know Dr. Roland Lassiter, yes. Uh, yes. old colleague of yours at University of Dallas? Yes. Uh, he, he and I back 20 some years ago uh, started to put this together because kids don't have a habitual vision of greatness. That was one of Roland's wonderful little phrases, a yes. habitual vision of greatness. If you have a habitual vision of greatness, you have something to aspire to. If you don't, if, there's, if you don't understand your place in this arc of salvation history or the, the beautiful history of Western civilization, you have no perspective. You're unmoored. Yes. And so we want to give the, the children the, the story of history so that they see, oh, I'm a player in history too. I yes. have a place in it. And actually God has a unique and essential role for me in salvation history. Even if it's very, very tiny, I have a place. Whereas if you pull down and help destroy the reputations of heroic people in the past, you say, well, I better not be heroic because they'll do this to me after I die. And that's, that's a real issue. <laughs> Ma'am, where are you from? I'm originally from the Philippines, but currently a New Yorker. Great. Well, welcome here. Good to have you. And what is your, your question or comment? Well, I'd like to uh, concur with you, with your opinion about the training of uh, kids by the nuns and the religious, mm -hmm. because I'm one of the products of uh, Daughters of Charity. Mm -hmm. And um, I attribute my, my growth and development through the teachings of the nuns. I grew up with them. Yep. But then I sent my daughter to a Catholic school. And unfortunately, it's a little bit disappointing. Is, in, um, is that a Philippine understatement? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very polite place. The Philippines are very polite. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 so what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, um, you would expect that you, when you send your kids to Catholic schools, that you would expect a certain kind of um, Christian living, or sure. but a lot of them are away from 
from right. practicing their Catholic upbringing. And, and sometimes even the teachers were. So do you have any comments? Yeah, I, I think that it, it is a sad reality uh, that, that many of us have personal experiences with. Mm -hmm. uh, my experiences over the last 30 years in working with Catholic schools is the vast majority of teachers, they're not that way. They're very good-willed people uh, that through no fault of their own have been given this, this system that they have to work within. Mm -hmm. They have been trained in a way that is in many respects antithetical to a Christian anthropological understanding of education. Sure. And so, so most, of the, most of the people in Catholic education, they're, they're wonderful and they're really good-willed. But there are, there, there's, there's an un unfortunately large sector of them that, that do seem like they're out to destroy us. And we see it in the church at large as well. Mm -hmm. See it in the media, see it in entertainment, see it all over the place, uh, politics. It's, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but I, I don't, I, I, I like to start with the assumption that they're, they are all goodwilled. And what we've found in our work with dioceses is when we explain the vision, just, you know, in a, in a 20 minute introduction or something, you, you have teachers of 20, 30 years saying, ah, that's why I went into education. That's what I wanted. Nice, nice, yeah. And, I've been handcuffed. I haven't yeah. been allowed to do that. Yes, yeah, certainly one of the problems for teachers in public and Catholic schools, there are state exams you have to pass. Um, and, you know, the your, your schools are judged by this and so on. So the, in a, instead of teaching to the exams, simply educate. You know, this is this is a different vision. We have another caller. Hello, Thomas. Father, how are you? Fine, it's Thomas in Tennessee. You know, one of that these days right. you're going to have to just drive down I-75 to I-59 <laughs> and come over and be in the studio audience instead of yes, calling in father. all the time. Yes, Father, yes. Yeah, I'd like to meet you someday. And uh, my comment and question is for um, Mr. Uh, Van Hecke. Uh, father, I've mentioned this before, that I've been very fortunate to have a Catholic education, Catholic formation all the way through college, Jesuit college. And uh, however, and, and I have a, you know, because of that, I have a, I believe I have a good worldview and I'm able to discern the truth around me. However, this, the, uh, I believe the Catholic schools uh, have a dilemma in the United States today. And that dilemma is they've become private Catholic schools because of uh, tuition fees. Mm -hmm. This places a lot of people out of reach uh, for Catholic formation. Uh, I was raised in the 60s and 70s, had, had uh, 30 uh, nuns and, and three lay teachers in our elementary school, 27 conventional Franciscan friars in my high school, and about six lay teachers in my high school. So that's flip-flopped now. That's, you know, because of the lack of formation. Excuse me, the lack of uh, of, of, of um of uh, calling and uh, vocations. And I guess I wanted to ask Mr. Heckey, other than praying for vocations, what can we do to make Catholic schools in reach 
for those who uh, may not be in a financial position to uh, attend a Catholic school. Oh, win the lottery and set up a scholarship fund. No. <laughs> Uh, that, that's, a, that's a great question, Tom. There are dioceses out there that are, are deeply committed to Catholic education and making it affordable. Uh, Wichita, of course, comes to mind famously because they have a free tuition in their parish schools. Uh, Lincoln has very, very affordable schools. Uh, I know other dioceses that are subsidizing an awful lot of elements of their Catholic schools, mm -hmm. whether it be in sound teacher formation or leadership development, things like this. But I, I think we, we have to make the, uh, we have to make the schools very desirable. I think we, we've heard from uh, you, Tom, and, and from others who have a memory of a Catholic education that was a certain way, and it was very beautiful. And there are schools out there today that are the, the exact same, but we don't know about them necessarily. And, and maybe you want to support that kind of school. So using your own philanthropic ability, whether it's small or large, you, you find these schools that are doing the right kind of things and, and supporting them and helping offer more scholarships. Canon 794 actually speaks to this, and uh, I'm not going to scold any bishops because I, I don't know anybody that's, that's purposefully going against Canon 794, but it says that the bishop has this, this duty, I don't have the exact quote, but his duty is to make Catholic education available to any Catholic that wants to avail themselves of a Catholic sure. education. And they, I know that word avail is in there. So that takes a whole different view. We, we, Tom's right. We have sort of twisted our, our understanding and we think that it's, it's a business. And yeah. it's not. Do we ever expect to make a profit or make no. uh, or have a soup kitchen, uh, you know, be in the black every year? Never, because it's a ministry. Well, what what is Catholic education? It's a ministry. Right. And it takes a lot of us together to support that so that we can deliver it to, to the Catholic kids in our in our parish or in our town. And it can also be a, another approach uh, for the state to have school choice available by connecting the money for education to each child rather than to well an said. institution. Right. So you don't attach the money to the public schools. You attach it to the child so the child and the child's parents, of course, make the choice. Yes as to where they go. And by extension, you don't attach it to the Catholic school. No, no, because no, Because no. then you, then no, no, you no, run no. afoul of Supreme Court things. Right, right, no, the, no, we don't want it. Parents have the choice. Right, it's not going to, it's, it's not attached to the Catholic school, the public school, or the charter school. It's attached to the child. Yep. And then the child and the parents make a choice. Again, I just want to remind folks that the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education can be uh, investigated and, stu and studied a little bit more if you go to their website, catholicliberaleducation.org. 
CatholicLiberation.org. This is a great movement and great uh, in, set of insights, and we can give a lot of support. Thank you for being Thank with you, us Father. tonight. appreciate it a lot. And I want to give you all a blessing. May Almighty God bless you on this Feast of St. Matthew. Remember that the Lord called you a sinner with all the rest of us sinners as he called him. And may the Lord who calls you bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And just like the schools, this is a ministry, not a business that looks to make a profit or anything. And Mother Angelica was inspired to have it brought to you by you, not by advertising. So please keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill. And if you all do that, we'll be able to pay our bills too. Thank you, and God bless.